Hi guys, Catherine here. I hope that you are all staying safe and healthy. I just wanted to let you know that Molly and I recorded these interviews before the COVID-19 outbreak. And we really went back and forth about whether or not now is the right time to release the season. But at the end of the day, we think it's more important than ever to keep the Boston hospitality folks top of mind and in our hearts. And we wanna be hearing from chefs and restaurant owners and just coming together and looking forward to a time when we can all be back out at our favorite restaurants um, and supporting this industry that means so much to us. So we hope that you'll go to thefoodlens.com to find more ways to support our friends. Um, and hopefully we'll be back out there on the Boston restaurant scene with you soon. Welcome to the Food Lens Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Smart, New England food writer and founder of The Not Just Company. And I'm your host, Molly Ford, co-founder of The Food Lens, your online resource for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston. On each episode of our podcast, we chat with restaurant industry insiders, digging into business, passion projects, and food trends to see what's shaping the New England restaurant scene. On today's episode, we're so excited to catch up with one of our own, Ryan Samuels. He's the director of photography at The Food Lens, as well as a Boston-based food photographer. Hey guys, before we get started with our interview, I want to tell you about Image Unlimited Communications, a PR agency that cares about restaurants just as much as we do. This Boston-based firm has a unique and effective personalized approach, and they've got the local and national media clips to prove it. With a sharp focus on lifestyle, restaurants, and consumer goods, the agency has the contacts and the hustle to get you the placements that really move the needle for your brand. Whether you're looking for help with public relations, event planning, digital marketing, or social media, Image Unlimited Communications is here to help. Check them out at www.iucboston.com. That's iucboston.com. Hey, Catherine, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Yeah? Yeah, the coronavirus anxiety is is real, but... Yeah, no, it is real. It feels everywhere. We are... um. We're shooting season four of Milk Street right now, so that's super fun to be that's exciting to be doing that again. Um, so you've just been a little busy, been a little busy, been <laughs> on set in the early, early hours of the morning. But there's a good energy around TV, so yeah, it's a lot of fun. I love. I miss working in TV, but now that we're going to be doing a video series together, I know we have some exciting things in store for everyone. Absolutely, and today's exciting. Yeah, I know Brian very well because I've worked with him for a long time at the Food Lens. Uh, I always envisioned working with multiple photographers uh, and Brian is just so talented and um, I love him as a person as well so um, I've spent a lot of time with him and I know him really well but you don't know him that well. No it's so funny I remember when he started his food blog a long time ago I want to say it was 2011 I'm not exactly sure when he started but it was when blogs were a big thing and I remember reaching out to him and he was really generous sort of talking about that and then we had have had our work together in that like he's taken photos for stories I've written both at the Food Lens and Serious Seats and other places, but we haven't spent, you know, real time together. So I'm excited to chat with him. Yeah, me too. And I've learned so much from him uh, in terms of food photography and iPhone photography. And uh, we've had a lot of fun together on all of our shoots around Boston and beyond when we're shooting our escapes in Burlington, Vermont and Nantucket, Massachusetts. I mean, when I say we spend a lot of time together, these are like 10-hour shoot days, <laughs> one shoot per hour. Uh, we're like slamming oysters and donuts in our faces <laughs> at these shoots. So like in the trenches, but in the best way possible. Yeah. So I want to ask him about all of these experiences and more. Yeah, I want to hear the dirt and learn how to take better pictures on my phone. Me too. 
Brian. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I've obviously known you for years now, and I've spent so much time with you from our photo shoots in Boston for the Food Lens and all of our weekend getaways together for shooting our escapes. Yeah. We, we have some some romantic memories together right. in Kittery and Portsmouth. No, I I'm feel kidding. like that could be a TikTok show when you guys are like on the road together for these I, shoots. I know. Good podcast. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. So much content. Um, so I know a lot about you, but yeah. can you in a nutshell tell us about your work? Uh, so I'm a food photographer. I've worked with a number of publications locally and nationally, uh, including Boston Magazine, Improper, which is no longer existent. I know. And... Nationally, I photograph for uh, Bon Appetit, The Wall Street Journal, um, a lot of online publications. Um, serious Eats. Serious Eats, The Food Lens, <laughs> and then doing some cookbook work as well. I've also worked for some national food brands as well, like Tabasco, doing recipe photography for them. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and how you ended up in Boston? Of course. Uh, so I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, just outside of New York. Um, I went to Emerson uh, for film, and uh, that's what brought me up to Boston. I've always had a real strong connection to Boston. My parents both went to Brandeis. My sister went to Brandeis. My aunt and uncle went to Brandeis. Um, and I went to Emerson. Black so, sheep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, it's always felt like a second home for me. I mean, I love New York. I grew up 25 miles outside of the city. Um, but I always felt like Boston was my second home. Um, so I was really drawn to it. Um, and Emerson was a great, great experience. And coming from Jersey, I know you love your your bagels, right? And pizza. And pizza. I'm picky about both of those. <laughs> and there is, yes, we could talk about that. <laughs> um, I am very picky about both of them. And uh, typically I refrain from eating them unless I'm in New Jersey visiting my family. It's like how I feel about Mexican food. As a San Diegan, I'm really passionate about it, and it's hard to please me in yeah. Boston. Um, but you know, growing up in New Jersey and you know having this close connection to Boston, did you always enjoy eating out or cooking, or what? What brought you into the food world? Yeah, so I've always enjoyed food um, ever since I was a kid. I've always been interested in cooking, and actually considered going to culinary school uh, for a while. Um, my two passions were film and cooking. Um, there's actually a uh, little book that I made when I was in second grade. And one of the questions was what I want to be when I grew up. And I said, chef, but I spelled it chief. <laughs> um, it's very cute. So, that is really cute. That's yeah. that's young. Yeah, I, I've always loved food. Uh, my mom especially has always been very thoughtful about um educating me about cooking and bringing me into the kitchen, explaining things, even at a very early age. Um, so I was really drawn to um, to the whole process. That's nice. Um, and I, I think I have a strong connection because I have, it's like an emotional connection to food um, and these memories from my childhood. I'm jealous you started young. My mom was a just add water kind of cook growing uh, up. So I didn't start young. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why I started eating out at a really young age. <laughs> yeah. My mom is a really good cook. Both my parents actually cook, but it was this crazy balance because they had their own business. And so they'd like be working all the time, but also like to garden and cook. And so I feel like I got my love of good food, but also like it has to be easy and doable. Yes. Now that my mom is retired, she's like making croissants and sending me pictures <laughs> and like has taken it to a whole other level. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, Brian, I'm curious. I want to like go way back because my first memories of you, and I was I was saying this before you came in. I you know used to personal chef full time, and I would like dream about being in food media. And I somehow knew about you and your blog, and I remember trying to like reverse engineer your career. And so I was Google stalking you and I heard you on a podcast. And this was like when blogs were everything. And I feel like you were one of the first well-known food bloggers around here. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that, you know, dovetails with your now professional food photography sure, career? Sure. So I started the food blog in 2009. Uh, it's called A Thought for Food. Um, I immediately knew what I wanted to call it, you know, play on food for thought, a thought for food. Um, and I started it because I was hosting these dinner parties with my husband and we would do Friendsgiving and I had all these recipes that people wanted and I want to share with them. And I felt like it was a way for me to um, share a bit of my love for cooking through words and through photography, which at that time was just through a Canon power shot um, that I had. It was a little, little camera, the pictures weren't great. Um, but I got a couple snaps um, in my dark apartment and put it up there and friends and family were commenting and sharing them and making the recipes and it was it was really lovely. So I started um, just doing it more and more and I started making my own recipes and playing around with things I've always wanted to cook and um, giving things a little vegetarian and pescatarian spin because I, that's how the diet I keep. And for me, it was just a really magical it, at the time you said, you know, blogging was huge at the time. Or this is was, like pre-Instagram. Our our yeah. attention spans now couldn't possibly, you know, handle reading something before we look at the picture. So. Absolutely. <laughs> but I feel like it was a different time because everyone was very it was very communal and everyone was very supportive. Not that people aren't supportive now, but at the time you had people that read blogs, commented on them. They enjoyed the stories that were told just as much as the recipes. Now it's really about the recipes, I feel, um, is what makes a blog in today's world. Um so I just became very connected. I, I It sort of branched out away from my friends and family. And I started to meet all these people in the food blogging world. And um, we all connected and commented and sometimes met up in person. It would do tours around New York together or Boston. It was it was a lot of fun. You touched on it a little bit, Brian, but like, what is the state of blogging? Because I don't I realize that I don't read many food blogs anymore. I read a couple, um, but I don't know how i mean i think like with pinterest i think there's still like you said some recipe driven ones but like what is, what is the state of the blogosphere right now uh blogs tend to be a database of recipes um, people are certainly telling stories about them and sharing their experiences but it's definitely gone away from the journal which is what a, a blog used to be um and they're just they're, everyone has a blog now i mean Every parent has a blog now. I mean, it's not just the younger generations. It's, you know, everyone has started something um, because everyone feels like they have something to share, which I think is great. Um, but with that, things get sort of lost, I think. And you sort of touched on that where it's hard to keep up with with all that content. Um, and then something like Pinterest or Instagram where it's so visual and you can just get a little peek and enjoy that and like that, um, but don't have to read it or comment on it. Um, I think that's that sort of has taken over the blogging world. So are you blogging any I did visit your site. It looked like you had recently posted <laughs> something, but it had been a while. Yeah. Are you still 
Yeah, so I'm trying to get back into it. It's something I really uh, miss. Um, part of it's that I've been very busy with photography. The food lens keeps me very busy, <laughs> um, which is great. And my, thankfully, my career has really done well. So um, I haven't had as much time for it, but I've missed it. And I've, um, I sometimes will jot down recipes that I want to post and save save those for later. Um, so I'm I'm trying to get back into it. I'm making no promises or guarantees <laughs> that I'm going to be consistent about it, but I'm going to try to be. And I actually want to talk about your transition from, was it from Emerson to starting this blog to becoming a professional food photographer? How did that happen? Did you become more interested in photography through the blog? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the blog definitely spiked my interest in photography. I realized that, um, and it was actually through looking at other blogs, I realized this, that you can tell a story about food through photography. It's something that never had never occurred to me. So I started practicing a bit more, and this is while I was still working in film, um, just on the side, again, um, upgrading my camera equipment, uh, taking pictures in natural light, realizing that's why I needed to get a nice picture of food, um, and just continuing practicing that um, is how I developed my photography skills. No, right. You're, it's funny because you're so like yeah. kind of humble about it. Like that helped. But like you, you photograph for national publications. I was, sure. we were cracking up because I was writing something for Serious Eats. And I like, uh -huh. I just need, we were like both on this email from the editor. And I was like, Brian? <laughs> like, hey. And yeah, I'm, Brian's everywhere. Yeah. So like, how does one do something like that? Obviously it was years and practice, but I think there's so many people that are, look at your career and write Flair like that is a dream job. Yeah. So like, yeah. how does that happen? No, it's fine. Um, so I started going back to the blog though, and where I was with that and how that developed my passion for photography. At the time, it really just felt like a hobby for me. Um, I never dreamed that I would have a career doing this. Um, but what ended up happening was I got picked up by a few restaurants that were interested in having me take pictures for them. And it really started through the blog. I, I went into a couple of places that I love to eat at. And I was like, hey, can I take some pictures of food? Or sometimes I didn't ask them. I just did it. Um, and they saw the pictures I posted and contacted me and hired me. Um, but it took a while for it to turn into a career, I would say. Um, so I worked for the film company for a while and started this blog. Um, I ended up leaving that job a couple years later um, to work. I really wanted to see what the food world was like. And so I actually worked for a catering company in sales just to sort of have the behind the scenes of what that process is. I didn't want to work in a kitchen. I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I wanted to just understand the restaurant world a little bit more. Um, so while I was there, I was still doing side jobs and getting a little bit bigger. And then eventually I left that position and uh, started doing photography full time. I love that so much. And I love when you said you would just go in and take pictures because I think so often when people have these like ideas of their dream career, they're waiting for someone to either ask them to do it or at least give them permission to do it. And it's like, no, you need to do the work, like put the work out there and then the success comes. Don't wait for somebody to be like, you would be great at this because that won't ever happen probably. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, there are lots of ups and downs in the creative field, um, especially like photography where you're a one person operation. Um, you don't have a support network. You're really 
just trying to, for me, I'm just constantly thinking outside the box. I know it's cliche, but that's what I always say to people. They're like, how do you do this? I'm just think outside the box. Think about every opportunity out there and see how you can have a place in that world. Um, Whether you're a writer or a photographer, I think that's important. How did you develop your style over time and, and where do you find inspiration from? Practice was really what I needed to do to develop my photography skills. Um, I'm still learning. I think uh, it's important to feel like I'm still learning um, with every experience I have. It just takes a lot of a lot of practice um, playing around with different angles and different environments and understanding also for me as a food photographer understanding how food works um, and the story that one can tell about a specific dish through a photograph um, through the angles through the lighting Um, so it's taken a lot of practice thousands and thousands of photographs and editing and so I know that you love natural light can you tell us a little bit about why you like natural light um, in terms of food photography maybe more than, you know, um, a light set? Sure. Light kit? For me, I enjoy natural light because that's how I learn photography and I feel most comfortable with it. I know how to utilize natural light to really enhance a photograph, um, which is what uh, artificial light photographers do with artificial light. Um, For me, I have really enjoyed natural light because I think it's the most natural way of capturing additions, what people are experiencing when they look at it. So I think people really connect to a picture of food when it's taken in a natural environment. I agree. That's why I was drawn to your Instagram when I <laughs> discovered you when we were starting the Food Lens. <laughs> and you've taught me a lot about photography and angles and lighting. And I actually remember taking your iPhone photography class. What was it? I think four years ago mm-hmm. now. Um, you used to offer those, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so a few years ago, uh, I guess it was four or five years ago at this point, I uh, was teaching iPhone photography classes uh, at a couple of restaurants in Boston. And for me, it was a really fun way to get people to see what I see when I'm taking pictures and um, find the joy in it a little bit more. I think it's a struggle for people to understand what makes a good food photo and it was a great opportunity for me to work with people one-on-one sometimes and um, explain the story that you can tell through a picture Um, and also getting people to have fun with it and play be playful Um, i always tell people you know move things around and get messy with things and I think we think of food photography as having to be perfect and pristine, and um, that's not not how I roll. <laughs> you know, I feel the same way. I love getting really messy with with some food. Sometimes too messy. Yep. <laughs> Brian will tell me to chill out at the food shoots. With- Less ketchup, Molly. <laughs> yeah, Less yeah. ketchup. We're done with the maple syrup. <laughs> it's like 
a pool of maple syrup <laughs> with like a little pancake. And Sarah loves to jump in in style. And yeah, it's, it's pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> it's really classic. Um, we work well together. Though. Yeah, we do. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, I can't believe it's already been four or five years of working together. Yeah. Uh, but I do vividly remember that iPhone photography class um, that you led it. It was at Rosebud mm-hmm. Kitchen. And it was really fun. He had all these props for us to use. You know, they were colorful, checkered uh, napkins and tablecloths and Rosebud yep. has pies, so we photographed pies and coffee, oh, and pies. it was really my introduction of how to take better photos of your food. And look at me now. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're a great teacher. Um, but I think a lot of people are super curious about how to take better photos. Uh, can you tell us? Can you give us some tips? What um, are your secrets? Yeah. I know. I know. I got to. I'll share a few. Yeah. I'll share a few. Well, what I tell people in these classes, and I, I might be doing them again. Oh, this, is a, sure. this is a good tease. Um, yeah. When I have time, it's my <laughs> schedule's a little crazy right now, but I'm, I've had a lot of inquiries from people and um, about doing them. So. We'll and see. iPhone cameras have gotten better probably in the past oh, few yeah. years. Since I know. You're teaching them. I know. Oh, they have. They definitely have. Um, so the things that I teach, I go over in these classes are sort of the fundamentals of photography because you can't just look at it as food photography, it's photography first. And like any art form, there are some rules that you have to follow. Um, so I always tell people to think about, first of all, what's your subject and take analysis of that first. Um, so the pie, for example, at Rosebud, it's like, okay, so here's this pie. What can you do with this pie to make it interesting? Is it nice on its own? Do you need to take a slice out? What's what's going on with your subject? Uh, the second thing I talk about is composition. So I'm looking at the frame that I'm shooting. And so if it's an iPhone, you know, you can see it through through the screen. And I'm setting up a scene through, um, I'm composing that shot through the screen. And uh, then the last thing that I go over is lighting and how to utilize lighting to either make it more dramatic or brighten it up. Do you want your photo to be light and airy or do you want it to be dark and moody? What's the, what's the vibe you're going for? I love that. We work with Nina Gallant sometimes at Not Just, and we always talk, I style the shoots. She's like, so what world are we living in right now? We're always like, what little world are we going to make? And it's so true. Like, there's so much personality that you can, you know, inject into into the picture. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I love when you get dramatic and moody with the lighting or you capture the like, perfect <laughs> sunlight through the window, through a wine glass, on the bottle. <laughs> it can be really magical. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what's really exciting um, for me is to um, utilize these natural things and not not style things too much, but let the light do something for you. I love stark lighting, which is what you're describing. Um, and especially with like, a cocktail it looks so beautiful mm-hmm. and elegant and ethereal in a way which um, is a great way to describe your style in general Brian like I love how classic I feel like you're like the Chanel of food photographers <laughs> like everything is just like classic and elegant like I can spot one Sexy. of your photos from a mile away and it's so <laughs> perfect you. for the food lens like I don't know yes. I love it yeah, you've definitely helped create the Food Lens brand with your photography. And I've so enjoyed working with you and learning from you. And here we are, you started, you know, we were on a freelance basis. And now you're director of photography with much more responsibility. Um, 
Can you tell me some of your favorite shoots that you've done for us or for other clients? Um, you know, sure. some of your favorite photos. Absolutely. Um, I think the favorite, my favorite shoots that we've done together have actually been some of the escape guides, um, partially because it's it's a new territory for me and I feel like I photographed in every restaurant in Boston. <laughs> so to go to a new city and to meet those chefs and to work in these new spaces and walk into a place I've never walked into before and be like, okay, where are we shooting? <laughs> um, what are the props that we have available to us? Where's the kitchen? Can I get some shots of that? Um, those You're like, have been I'm a lot sweating, of but this is good. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we don't really have time to sweat on those shoots because they're very quick. They we usually so schedule back like to back. eight it's... to 10 in a day. Um, so we're, and I've scheduled them for like one an hour. So wow. I go in and it's business. It's business yeah. time. Yeah, we're like on Google Maps. We're being as efficient as possible. Yeah, but um, those have been really exciting for me. Um, and also just to understand a, a, the food in a city that I've never really explored before is a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure that says a whole lot about the photography side of things, but for me personally, the escapes have been a lot of fun to shoot. Um, I mean, I still have a few favorite shots that we've taken on the food lens from way back. You know, I, I think um, even I did one at Bagelsaurus, like right when they, um, I guess they had just opened fairly recently and you were just getting ready to just, you hadn't launched yet. No. Um, I think it was my second shoot. And I just love the pictures from that. There are just a few of the bagels that are just, I want to dig into them every time I look at those photos. Um, I know that our time at Sarma has been really fun and we've taken some oh, fun ones. Like the, oh, the food there is so that beat whatever it is tzatziki or whatever it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful so many colors that's the kind of place um and i could say it's for a lot of places but sarma is one of those places where the food is so beautiful it makes my job easy um i've never really had to send something back to say hey let's like tweak this because i can't photograph this well you need to change Um, that outfit is not working (laughs) yeah yeah um i don't say that often but it, it comes up um, but no, the food at Sarma is so stunning. And I remember that spread that we had. And I think it was just the two of us. Um, I think it was you and not Sarah. Yeah, uh, it was me. <laughs> and I think I had you like tear into the bread, which is such a staple of Sarma. Mm-hmm. And it just, I don't know. It, I look at that photo and I feel like I'm there in that in that space. I want to be there. Totally. Like now. I think we've shared that photo <laughs> yeah. a lot, but we'll just have to reshare all of these for everyone so yeah. they can see yes. these beautiful images. One of my favorites is, you know, I love a good like hero shot of a sandwich. I love the Cuddy sandwich, the roast beef 1000. <laughs> yes. It just looks like this giant, amazing, like delicious roast beef sandwich. I and love that you love that. I love, I love it. You two are obsessed with that. Sarah and I, yeah. Yeah, you and Sarah those kinds of photos. are obsessed with those photos. And it's great. And I, I understand it. I do understand it. I, it's funny, though, because it's, it's not for me my favorite photo. And it's not because I don't like the subject or I just remember how challenging that shot was too I really struggled with shooting like how do you make this giant roast beef it's just like a mound of roast beef between bread which I'm sure is wonderful but not eating meat I'm like okay right. like what, do what am I this? doing with this thing 
And I remember the restaurant, it was like busy that day and we were just like just scrambling and got it and you guys love it. And I'm so happy that you love it. Yeah, um, you executed. I hope so. In, I, I guess I in did. In a busy, busy <laughs> restaurant. Um, but what, speaking of difficult shoots, what are some of the harder foods to photograph for your job? The hardest dishes to photograph are typically casseroles, um, really brown dishes um, that don't have a fun garnish, um, things on trays. Like we've done some locations where the food is challenging. You know, Indian food can certainly be very beautiful, but it depends on the location. Some of the more casual spots, you're literally it's being glopped onto a tray. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you make that exciting and beautiful? Um, And for me, I just take a lot of pictures and see what works best and get in really close because sometimes amazingly getting in really close on an ugly dish actually works. Um, sometimes pulling back and seeing some of the space around it and the the vibe of the restaurant instead of focusing so much on the food is the way to go. Um, so those can be challenging, but I've learned that not to get discouraged, not to get discouraged by it. Catherine, I have some exciting news. Remember our season one sponsor, Weinster? Yes, how could I forget? They curate great wines from small producers in the U.S. You browse their collection of unique, hard-to-find wines, and then they ship it straight to your door with fast, cheap delivery. Yep, that's right. But the exciting news is that they're officially opening their doors to their showroom in Seaport this spring. What do you mean a showroom? Can you buy the wine there? Well, you can purchase wine and join the wine club in the showroom, but you can't walk out with wine. They always ship orders direct to your door. Convenient, right? They host small groups interested in learning more about Weinster and the wineries in their portfolio for wine consultations at no cost. An expert wine consultant will lead the group through a curated menu of five wines and educate the group on each pour and the amazing small producers that make them. Guests will also learn about the many ways to purchase these typically hard to find wines, either by the bottle, through the wine club, or with many gifting options on the Weinster site. Um, that sounds amazing. When are we going? I think we're overdue for a wine date now that I'm not pregnant. Totally agree. I can't wait to check it out with you. The complimentary 90-minute wine consultations are by appointment only at the showroom, so let's get on it. If you're interested in learning more, head to www.weinster.com. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R.com. Ryan, you were just talking about your pescatarian, vegetarian diet. So I'm curious, you said you've photographed pretty much every restaurant in Boston. What are some of your favorite pescatarian and vegetarian friendly restaurants? Not even photography, just for eating. Yep. Yep. I love the Cruda Barmezana. It's a go-to for me whenever I'm in that area. I actually have to like pull myself away from going to Barmezana sometimes because there are so many other restaurants in the area that I'm like, maybe I need to go to Myers and Chang because I've only been there once. Wow. And I'm like, okay, let's not. <laughs> the call sit. of the Crudo is. Call the Crudo the and the wine and just sing at the bar and it's a neighborhood vibe and all those things I love. Um, we I, t- I talked about Sarma, which I think has the best vegetarian, some of the best vegetarian food in the city. Um, I would also say that Whole Heart Provisions has amazing vegetarian food. I, I 
still crave like that Cassie bowl. I at- do too. I didn't know how good they were, and we just did a partnership with them. Oh uh, they make a soup using not just sauce, and they sell our sauce, and they're amazing. But I was so embarrassed. I like had not eaten there, and I started. Ha- they're falafel dogs, first of all, <gasps> and yeah, that they're sort of like maybe it's the Cassie bowl with the fried chickpeas and the yep. sort of like classic pickled I was- cauliflower. I think and I love so I mean, many flavors. The you study see a of lot contrast of- they use is, is really good. Absolutely. And you see a lot of, I mean, Becca is an amazing chef and she studied nutrition and vegan cooking. So she has that experience. But you can also see the influence of Cassie at Sarma on the food at Whole Heart. And it's the sauces and the textures and not just having like some raw like broccoli on, you know, on a salad. It's roasted. There's fried chickpeas. There's textures. And bursts of flavor throughout um and i also love like this she'll add like currants and really fun ingredients to dishes and i actually find that that food is really beautiful to photograph because of the textures in it and the colors um it's not just a boring salad Mm -hmm. um there's a lot going on with it it's a good time to be (laughs) plant-based definitely hashtag (laughs) (laughs) plant-based um Speaking of being vegetarian, pescatarian, what about your blog? Could you give us any favorite recipes that maybe some listeners could check out sure. and make at home? You know, what what are some of your favorites? So some of my favorites and some of the most popular uh, recipes on the site are scallop recipes that I've done. I want I I always wonder why they're so popular, and I just don't think people are cooking with scallops that much. They they're just there must not be that many on food blogs. I think people are scared because they always overcook them. And if you get the frozen ones soaked in the garbage, they're yucky. But it's like, we are in Massachusetts, people. Nantucket Bay scallops are a national treasure. Absolutely. And they're not hard to cook. Uh, And once you learn how to cook them, it's it's the easiest. It's the easiest thing. It's like a no-brainer. Like, what do we make tonight? We make scallops. Um, So I have a recipe of seared scallops that's on top of a bed of, it's like a quinoa apple salad and mm. a baronet squash puree Ooh. and I have, I have people tell me all the time that they love this recipe I haven't made it since I made it for the blog which is like three years ago <laughs> wow so but maybe it's, it's time for me to do it Eric hasn't even had it I think I ate it before he got home <laughs> that day so Eric's my husband um so maybe I have to make that for him at some point Speaking of Eric, I know Eric because I've known you for a while, but can you tell us how much food are you bringing home to him after all of these photo shoots? Well, the food lens shoots. Okay, so at the beginning when we started working together um, back in 2016, uh, there was a period of time, I think, that you and Sarah were both away for a while, and I brought a cooler with me because I had scheduled like five or six shoots in a day, and I brought home foie gras from Montan and a lobster roll from uh, row three, four. And I forget where else I was that day, but just all around that area. And I just was like, husband of the year. Here we go. We're going to have a feast tonight. It looked awful by the time I got home, but he didn't complain. It still tasted good. So yeah, I feel like you're, you're really good at the reheating game now. I think I'm pretty good at that (laughs) at this point. Yes. I've also learned from some, from some chefs who tell me how to reheat the food. Some are like appalled with the idea of bringing food home. They're like, no, 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 this won't be good later. I'm like, it will. Yeah, it I will say we're pretty good about things. our It's going to be better than the bowl of cereal. I, was we don't have. like to waste. That's yeah. the thing. I agree completely. As a food photographer, 
I really don't like to waste food and it really bothers me when things get thrown away. Um, so ideally I bring it home or the staff eats it, whatever has to happen. But Or you bring it to Molly and I. I've been staring at the box of donuts since you walked in. As much as I enjoy talking to you too, I'm also like, mm, look at that donut. Oh yeah, we're going to get into those after this interview. Yeah. Not a great thing to eat right before an interview, like a real creamy donut, which they look, ama- they look amazing. Do you have any um, like restaurants that you are just dying to go to, whether they're in Boston or elsewhere? Um, bucket list restaurants? Bucket list restaurants. I don't have a ton, but now Mr. Kim's is like seriously on my list of places I want to go. I'm dying to get back up to Portsmouth and Kittery. Um, so I'm hoping that when I'm there, I get to check it out. I'm very upset that the nice... Um, is no longer oh, open. Oh, no, We didn't talk about that. You didn't tell me anything. It just came out of all this research. Yeah, <laughs> I was Mr. really Kim's. sad. I don't think I, I knew that. Yeah, I was sad. I, I don't it know It, like, how... didn't equate to me. But... That oh, was... you know, I told a friend to check uh, it out, and then he was like, yeah. it's closed. And I, my mind was blown because it was such an awesome, funky... It was a fun, funky cocktail bar that I wish were in Boston. Yeah, That was definitely. the last shoot of that day in uh, Portsmouth also, and... I remember drinking those cocktails and being like, I got to drive home now. Is- <laughs> I remember texting you during it. I was like, make sure you get those cocktails. Yeah, they were tasty. They were tasty. It really pained me to drive because I had to go to Kittery this morning. And I had to literally, or York, but I stopped in Kittery for a, for a donut and a coffee. And it pained me so much to drive back. I'm like, I could have gone to Andrew. I could have gone to Mr. Kim's. <laughs> like, I could have gone to Moe's and gotten my sub. I was like, this is painful. I did go to Main Meat. Not so exciting for no, you. because no. You know, but. Well, I thank you, uh, Catherine, for introducing me to the joys of Kittery. Yeah, Um, same. I am an ambassador, so (laughs) they should gift me a home there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've actually been dying to go back, too, and it's kind of pathetic that I haven't gone back because it's so close, Um, but I'm dying to go back. It'll happen. Yeah, in the spring. You want to go in the spring. Yeah. Now is not the nicest time to be putzing around. And Providence and Burlington. These have been really good food cities to explore with the food lens, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. We've had some fun adventures. Together, guys, check out our escapes. You too can have these adventures. Yes, we are crazy about making sure anything we include, anything and everything we include, is amazing. So, trust us, these spots are worth checking out. I can vouch for them, (laughs) I can. Um, but in terms of Boston, uh, I don't know, we're going to Orfano this weekend finally, so it's been on the list for a while. And now, with all this publicity, I'm like, this is I'm so glad I made a reservation, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, and we're going with a group of six friends, so it'll be very fun. Oh, that's Um, great because then you get to order a ton of stuff, yeah, it's such a good night out. Like, I've been a couple times since having my baby, and it's like not the easiest to get out, and I, I always feel like slightest bit glamorous <laughs> and at least like a human when I'm there just because it's just so it just feels very fun and glamorous and the food is so yummy yeah and that martini cart yep gonna cool do it thing. it's on the list checking that one <laughs> <Yeah>. off um <laughs> and probably gonna go to like fool's errand or something afterwards maybe hajoko it's gonna our reservation's at 545 so Ooh, we have a whole time. night ahead of us Fenway um, crawl you're gonna end up at molly's apartment banging the door <laughs> molly <laughs> after party <laughs> i don't know where she lives i think that's one reason why <laughs> love a good fenway crawl though yeah. it's a good neighborhood to be in yeah We asked our Instagram followers if they had any questions for you, and Adam chimed in, and he was asking about, you know, some tips for taking food pics, but we already talked about that, but he did ask, 
what are some tips to take photos while you're out eating without drawing too much attention to yourself? Can you tell That's us a good question. how to do that better? Uh, <laughs> don't use a flash. I, I, I've taught this in the class before. I think I like bold and underline it. <laughs> don't take pictures with a flash. It's going to disturb people. Um, and the picture won't look very good because you're going to have this harsh lighting on the dish. Um, ideally, you can use natural light. You go during the day. Uh, you know, it's easier in the summer when you can have dinner at 6.30 or 7. It's still light out. Um, but if not, you know, you just may not get a great picture at night. Um, I think maybe find a way, if you can, to use the ambient light around you. If there are candles on the table or an open kitchen that's emitting some light, um, utilize that if possible. Um, I wouldn't suggest moving plates around the restaurant to get a shot because um, <laughs> that will also disturb people and confuse the wait staff. Um, and don't like stand on your chair like we like to definitely, do at photo shoots. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No it's standing upon, on chairs. I hear from my industry friends. <laughs> um, but I would say lunchtime is a great time to go um, take pictures uh, if you if that's your goal. If that's what you really want to do, try and do a lunch uh, photo shoot. Agreed. I hate it when I'm at a great restaurant at night and it's so dark. Like, I love you, Uni, but it's impossible to get a good photo at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the kind of place where maybe you're not taking a picture of the food, but you're getting a picture of that beautiful dining room and the the sushi bar is so pretty. Um, I really love that space. I've, I've taken pictures at night, just like, you know, walked over from the bar and grabbed a quick shot. And uh, it's it's stunning. Definitely. And that's a good idea. Capture the vibe. The vibe. Not not necessarily the food, even though it's so tasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, lastly, I'm excited to ask you the rapid fire round of questions because you get around. <laughs> you <Woo -hoo>! studied. <laughs> I'm excited. You know I've listened to every podcast, including today's. Wow. I know. I know. I love it. He's been a num like the number one fan since we started this. So I love it. Brian. Thank you for the love and support. Um, so you've, you've thought about this one. So I try to, but okay, to be good. I'm ready. Pescatarian <laughs> okay. version. I know. This is good. Oh, yeah. So name your favorite Boston dumpling. So I recently had the vegetarian dumplings at Baldwin Bar, Ooh. and they're actually pretty solid. I think vegetarian dumplings are pretty hard. I do also haven't had that many of them, but uh, these tasted better than most. I like so that. So I was, I was into them. Dive. We don't do a lot of dives, um, but I really like deluxe. Yep, me too. Dessert? The baked Alaska at Oleana. How many other people have said a lot. this? A lot I of know. people. It's, it's right. It's, it's not wrong. And lastly, date spot. Oh, gosh. Now our date spot has been Rebel Rebel. Um, <laughs> we go there at least once a week. There's just something you feel like you're home and it's comfortable and everyone's very like-minded there. Yeah. Um, Bow Market as a whole is that vibe, which I really appreciate. Um, if I have to pick a restaurant, though, we do Baldwin Bar a lot. That's I love that. A it's lot. a good date We spot. live like 15 minutes away, so it's not bad. Hi, guys. Catherine here. I know you're used to hearing me talk about restaurants and my human babies and occasionally my fur babies, but I want to share a little bit about my other baby. Not Just Company. I started Not Just to help you eat better at home using modern pantry staples like our crazy delicious flagship product, Not Just Pasta Sauce. It's made with 10 veggies, has no added sugar, plus it's vegan and gluten-free. 
but the best part is it helps you get a healthy, tasty dinner done fast. On the nights you aren't hitting the Boston restaurant scene, of course. Imagine coming home from work, popping open a jar, adding a few fresh ingredients, and sitting down to shakshuka or quinoa chicken meatballs or chana masala before you've even finished your first glass of wine. Each pack of sauce comes with recipe cards, and I promise you'll quickly be making meals you love, food that you'll actually enjoy cooking, even if you're brand new to the kitchen. I'm kicking off 2020 by offering TFL podcast fans 20% off their first order with the promo code FOODLENS20 at notjust.co. That's FOODLENS20 at notjust.co. This episode was produced by Isaac Price Slade. A special thanks to the folks at the PRX Podcast Garage. If you enjoyed what you heard, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with friends and family. Your help means so much to us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show and check out thefoodlens.com for the best restaurants, bars, and events in Boston.